Hi Slip Angle listeners, this is Rob from Fields Auto Works and Fields Engineering. We're really excited to be supporting great content on Slip Angle, and we hope you'll find your way over to our social media pages to see some of the exciting work that we're doing. Fields Auto Works has Cardinal Coupes being delivered and Scioto Coupes in build for testing this summer, with more exciting models on the near horizon. If you're ready for supercar performance for under $70,000 or professional prototype speed for under $150,000, stop by FieldsAutoWorks.com to see what we offer. At Fields Engineering, we have openings for major builds, arrive and drive customers, and medium to large engineering projects. We have capabilities ranging from whole composite body scratch builds to 3D scanning and printing to trackside support. We're also thrilled to be supporting regular guy racing with Colton Wade driving in GLTC and the exciting new Future Frontrunners initiative to promote women in club racing. As a Fields customer, you get the combined experience of IndyCar builders, IMSA veterans, aerospace engineers, and lifetime racers working on your next big endeavor. If that sounds like a team you're interested in working with every day, you can also contact us about our open shop positions. Find Fields Auto Works on social media and at fieldsautoworks.com, and find Fields Engineering on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. What's up, babe? We're we're post NJMP. We're almost to Mid Ohio. We're, we're in the slog of it. It's it feels like the home stretch, but man, it's a freaking long stretch. Dude, it's so <laughs> far from being the home stretch. Uh, but but I can like versus like uh, Circuit of the Americas in February. I can like see I can see PPIR and I can see Heartlands, and we're like we're almost there. Like it's almost there. We got to like jump through a bunch of other things first. So we've got mid Ohio coming up this weekend. And I had been talking with Tricia about travel arrangements to go to Lime Rock, which is two weeks after. And, uh, I haven't told anyone this, but Tricia was like, Oh yeah, we want everyone to get there on Wednesdays so that we can do setup on Thursday. And I was like, no, I don't have enough vacation for that. Well, I don't think you need to get there on Wednesday. It's fine. Um, but, we, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of events and we did an NJMP event and we have our buddy Lucas Urban from Colorado on the show for, we'll probably do 20, 30 minutes with Lucas. Then he's got to go change his transmission again. Um, but, uh, so Lucas, we met you at PPIR a few years ago and you were, you were basically, you were a flagger there. And then last year you said, Hey, can I like flag part of the time and time attack the other part of the time? And I was yep. like, that sounds, that sounds fun. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's how we got to know you a little bit. And uh, Abe met you while you were shirtless in the timing tower at NJMP basking in the AC over the evening. Um, And so, Lucas, I want to say this with um, as much uh, endearment as possible. Uh, You're you're a dirtbag, and that's why you're on the show, uh, because Adam and I are dirtbags, and we live live a dirtbag life. So... Uh, you had a really interesting story from NJMP, and I want to hear about it. It was freaking wild. You drove from Colorado. Yeah, I guess it's a wild story. I mean, it, well, it's more so a story you, of so what lay it out what does. you drove. Yeah, you laid out what you drove, what happened, how 
it got fixed and how you got home. Just the fact that you drove this car that far to hang out with us at NJMP is sort of flabbergasting. Alrighty. So, I mean, like you guys said, met at PPIR. I've worked and volunteered at PPIR for motorsports events since middle end of 2014, and it's just stuck, and it's what I've done for a long time. And uh, my current ship box, as I like to call it, is a 2001 Ford Escort ZX2, and I'd say it probably creeping up on 20,000 track miles over the last decade. Yeah, it's been driven, but mostly a PPR, right? Yeah, I'd say a good at least 10,000 laps has to be at this point. (laughs) Has to be. Uh, It's not very fast. 110 horsepower, if that. Ben Ben Thorne says it may maybe makes 104 wheel horsepower. And it's a pretty basic build too. It's like. Conies and ground controls and like just the wheels, the tires, and that's about it. Yeah, just uh, just and just loud exhaust and rip this thing. Uh, I mean, it needs to have an exhaust to be considered an exhaust. It actually sounds pretty good if it's an open header. It's it it doesn't sound bad, but almost a rotary sound. Close. Yeah, it, it is. Close. It's a bit. It's a, it's an open header four cylinder that makes no horsepower, so it, it just kind of screams and 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 rips. So, um, so you you texted me like six months ago, and you're like, I'm coming to NJMP, and I was like, from Colorado, and you're like, Yeah, I like got some friends on the way. I'm gonna like, I'm just, I'll volunteer. It'll be it'll be great. And I was like, if you say so, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, originally the plan was to take my nice daily driver Ford Fiesta and have air conditioning. But instead, mm-hmm. I drove a stripped-out car with no air conditioning that, in the middle of a heat wave, was probably 130 degrees in the car. It's also – it was the hottest weekend in 10 years at NJMP. So. Oh, see, I thought they said on record. I wasn't sure. I think it was the hottest in a decade. Um, I don't know how long their records go back, but it was it was effing hot. It was so yeah. stupid. <clears throat> Couldn't drink enough water, that's for sure. Nope. But no, so yeah. I mean, I decided to take the drive out there, and... How far is that drive, by the way? Uh, so, if I would have straight shot from Colorado to there, it's right under 2,000 miles. Uh, I decided to go down to Tail of the Dragon and a couple other scenic roads just to enjoy the drive. I've never been north of the Carolinas. I used to live in Fayetteville, North Carolina, so never went up north. So, it's kind of just an adventure, nice little week of getaway, and it turned into quite a fun getaway i guess uh the first part of the drive was okay started in the middle of the night nice cool temperatures through kansas what i thought was going to be the worst part of the drive and i was severely wrong severely wrong yeah you got through the most boring stuff at least and then yeah baked you for three days yeah between st louis and going to tail of the dragon is when the heat index was well over 105 and this Colorado boy was not ready for the humidity. I was not ready for it. It was really, really hot in New Jersey. It felt like it felt fine to me because I'm so used to it. But yeah, I can imagine coming from Colorado that that's brutal because you guys are so dis- hot. It was there's, disrespectful. That's yeah. What there's like there's like no humidity there. Whenever I go there, it's 90 degrees, but then my fingers dry out, like all my knuckles crack. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it was it was freaking hot. Um, so you got to PPIR, or you got from PPIR to NJMP. Um, yep. Thursday night, we were setting up, hanging out, doing tech inspection, all that jazz. How did your first session go? Uh, so I wasn't expecting to drive on Friday. 
uh, like you said, with PPIR, I was one of the flaggers, and that's kind of what I was expecting to be doing. Yeah. But just like with PPIR, NJMP had their own corner workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, instead okay. of working for the track, I was working for you. Yeah, at the so average, a little different. At the average grid life, we've got probably half a dozen volunteers that we, if they want to drive, they can drive a little bit. They can also work a little bit. So you were basically filling that role. Yep. Um, doing tech inspection, uh, organizing grid with us, uh, basic stuff like that, that we need, we need manpower. We need smart people that know how to work a radio. They know what a car is. They, they can call out numbers. Um, but good, no. good tech inspection, you know, somebody with a good wrench, uh, background, which, uh, which obviously after the, the, the rest of the story, we'll hear about your wrench background. You definitely can wrench a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you helped, you helped in tech, you did all kinds of stuff this weekend. So. But no, yeah. So I mean, that first session, uh, I went out and it. I think I went in the middle of the session, so there wasn't too much. There's ten minutes left, I guess. And it was just more so to get familiar with the track and. It's a cool track too. See, how a very fast, very fast flowing track. Yeah, it's and that's really, really that's cool. what that's what I was trying to get was just figure out where I can really keep the momentum since I drive a momentum car. I need to know how little I can use the brakes and how little I need to be off throttle. Yep. And it turns out you need all the throttle and no brake. So what what happened with the trans? <laughs> so second session, second session, I start driving my typical self and flat foot shifting third to fourth, never really lifting, just being as mean as I possibly can to the car. 2,000 miles. It felt all right. Yeah. And then it started getting like this power steering surge is what I was blaming. And it turned out to be every single spider gear ripping and shredding itself apart oh so you you actually like it happened and you kept driving huh oh yeah i did probably three laps on a broken oh my gosh so so afterwards we narrowed it down to like oh you probably bombed a curb you have an open diff you lifted a wheel that wide open throttle and then i thought i thought it was axles that that wheel comes down axle at first yeah, I remember you jacking it up in the in the tech shed, and like all the wheels are both front wheels are turning at the same time, and uh, that ain't right for an open diff. But yeah, you nope. you you lifted a wheel, and then it came down and shocked the differential, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, you, I remember when when you figured it out, when you're like the diff is totally screwed. I'm kind of screwed. This trans is weird. It's kind of rare. Um, and you seem kind of dejected, and you like didn't know what to do because you were literally two thousand miles from home. You got eight dollars, and uh, <laughs> you have a broken car. <laughs> and I was like, "Why don't you just weld that diff?" And then you like perked up a little bit. <laughs> so what did well, you yeah, end up, what did you end up doing? <laughs> so I mean, when you mentioned welding the diff, like I was going through the options. I had options. Overall, I I knew at the very worst, car was going to get towed to a friend's house a couple hours away, and I was going to get a plane home. It would have been whatever no big deal but then you mentioned welding it and a light bulb clicked in my head oh hey ryan dussex has done that with his prelude let's give it a shot so we started ripping the trans apart getting it out and then went over to uh asm and had them weld it up and then put it all back together and went out and it worked (laughs) it worked really well i actually really like it (laughs) on throttle oversteer can't get enough so how did the whole like tear it apart and like weld the diff go 
uh, really fun. I mean, it's one of my favorite things with community-driven events like Grid Life, and same with our local events here at PPIR with our Track Attack series, is, I mean, never try to let somebody be down about a situation. So in my case, the gearbox, I'm 2,000 miles away. I was still having fun. I wasn't too worried. I mean, we took our time. Friday night, we got it pulled out and just simply relaxed, hung out, worked all day Saturday. Sam, best pit partner ever and best co-worker to work with, he motivated me the whole way, and we kept pushing, getting it out. Ben Thorne came over, helped us with a pesky axle that was kind of half-fused to the differential. And I mean, so many people through the garage just came over and helped, and I couldn't be more appreciative and i can't say it enough i thank everybody conveniently yeah. your car was in like the most highly trafficked visible well, spot but so he was like everybody. where can i like where can i do this and i was like just do it right here and i pointed at our spot <laughs> so so yeah he, he did it in our spot <laughs> yeah, it worked out i can't thank yeah. everybody enough it ends up being the place that like everybody kind of moves through and also at night it was lit so he could uh play some tunes and yank that thing out. Abe and I were over at like Swenson and Jensen's pits. And I didn't even know you guys were after the on Saturday, after the food truck thing, I didn't know you guys were working on it. Uh, it's otherwise I would have been over there getting greasy, but and oh, yeah, back we, and, you, and you guys were already done. <laughs> yep. That was disassembling the gearbox and looking at the carnage. Yeah. If you check out the grid life Instagram, you can see some of the, uh, uh, Colleen made a pretty funny little video about it, actually, where Charlie talks about how you, how how fucked you were, and, but but it says ducked instead of fucked. It's pretty funny. It was great. It was great. Yeah. I loved um, it. So it got back together. Uh, Smetigard welded it, and uh, it sounds like it h- held up just long enough. Yeah. Tiny, so a tiny welder. <laughs> so we got it w- welded up, <clears throat> put it all together, and uh. Which session was it? We had like four sessions left. I think it was four o'clock. I went out in one of the sessions, drove it like a lap, if even that, and it was just fuel cutting. Didn't realize I was low on fuel. So immediately pulled off and ran to town real quick, got fuel, came back, did the very, very last session of the day of the weekend, and just ripped it. Just did a good solid 10 laps at nine tens. Dude, you did like 20 laps. You were out there for like 30 minutes. We were all so worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I would have stopped sooner, that means we have a problem. Yeah. It it, it looks like you're having the best time. And literally you and another dude were the only two cars on track. It was you and one of our, yeah, one of our instructors. And I think you or might've been him, but like basically you were the last car on track. And then you took a shower and drove back to Colorado <laughs> with a welded yep. diff. <laughs> yep, and then with about 700 miles left to go of 2,000-mile trip home, started uh, losing fifth gear, started yeah, popping so what, out. What, what, uh, what do you think happened? Just too much crap ran through the transmission? and <laughs> No, I, uh, looking at it right now, uh, since I am about to be pulling it out and swapping. Oh, that's another thing. I got a free gearbox from Maryland on my drive home. Oh yeah, one of the one of the Mazda or one of the Fiesta buddy or Festiva buddies. Yeah. Yep, the he was driving the Protege or yeah Protege in Sunday yep. Cup. Yep. 
But yeah, so Joe gave me a transmission and it looks pretty damn good. And I'm just about to rip the welded diff one out and throw this one in and get it back on the road. But no, so yeah. What yeah, what happened with your fifth gear? You think that uh, you think it was I fluid? Think it's or because, yeah, fluid? low on fluid. It was leaking. It's it's leaking quite a bit. Okay. I just don't yeah. think it's very happy with driving with a welded diff. It. Uh, you said that like for the past or for the last thousand miles or whatever, you had to like bungee strap the the shifter into fifth gear <laughs> yep wedge some stuff to the shifter it is the it most dirt bag fix i love it <laughs> it worked but fun story uh related to the the bungee strap thing katil a couple years ago was struggling through like an scca majors weekend or something with like trying to win something and the car was popping out of fifth gear and he did the exact same thing he just put a bungee strap on it and held it in all the gears and left it in fifth and because it, the bungee strap would hold it but pretty common fix get that bungee strap man and uh and let it let it do the work so. you saying that reminds me of that uh incident with Cattell at road atlanta where he was racing oh, yeah. in gltc <laughs> and dnf because he went over the curbs i think in turn three so hard that all the relays fell out of his car and his car. Yeah, his relays, his relays and fuse box faced down and he bombed turn three so hard that all of his relays fell out of his car. <laughs> it's an amazing, it's an amazing failure of a race car. Yeah, I bet that's interesting to see. Yeah. All of a sudden he's like parked like off to the right in the downhill S's uh, at Road Atlanta. We're like, what the fuck happened to Cattell? His car's been so solid. And, uh, I think it was in like in race one too. He was like in P two, P three, something like that. Bombs that just comes down so hard, all the relays fall. I'm pretty sure he put tape on it after that, and then later on, yeah, the relays don't face down anymore. So, gotta eliminate those failure points, man. Lesson learned. Yeah, gotta let gotta learn those lessons. So, yeah, but you did you did make it home to Colorado. Yep. Yep. No no toes. No airline tickets. Nope. Just a very, very numb hand from holding the shifter. Yeah. Do you th so do you think things were just kind of out of balance with the, with the, cause most people will, most people will the diff when the spider gears aren't completely shattered and broken. It wasn't too bad. Like I'd say, I mean, most of my cruising speed was low seventies to 75. Right. And it really wasn't vibrating until you got to 80 but right. then also about 60 miles an hour. But I could also put that on the bent wheels and tires. Yeah, some of that could be those. <laughs> so what happens when you hit every curb possible. But most, yeah, well, you also have Team Dynamics wheels, right? Yep. Those are like the softest British aluminum that you can get. So. They, they work. That's all I care about. They're, they're light. They look great, but they're soft. So, um, But, yeah, most people weld a diff when it's not exploded. Uh and so when I told you that you could just do that, I wasn't actually sure if that was a thing, but obviously you made it work. <laughs> so. Yeah. Again, it's all because of Dussex. If if I hadn't known Dussex working at PPIR with him and yeah. at going to events, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that at all. So I thought about it when, when, it, when it happened. I was like, I wonder if you just weld that. I'm just thinking to myself, this is Friday or Friday afternoon or whatever. And an SCCA H prod buddy. Uh, he runs, he's gotten like P2 at runoffs a few times, Chris Shapsma. Um, 
he runs spool and he started to run a spool because he used to run a welded diff, which is effectively the same thing. Spool weighs less. Yep. And, and he loves how it, like, basically it's like, it's a two way diff almost like it's always locked up in D cell. So the in D cell is great. Yeah. When you're using the brakes, that car drives straight. So like I'm, it doesn't, I'm kind it, of a it doesn't pull anywhere. So. Uh, I need you both to explain to me like physically what you're doing as you're doing these things. So, well, physically with the differential, he's basically taking an open diff and he's locking it all together. So it's a spool basically to where both axles, they're always driven at the same time. When that final drive gear turns, it turns both axles the same direction. Okay, and so that means that, like, when you're turning a corner or whatever, that inside wheel is just, like, hopping? Uh, sort of. A little bit. You get a lot of, well, at, at speed, you get a lot of leeway. Because sure. the tires but are, like, they're sliding. On yeah, they're the sliding road, around. that's what happens? Well, yeah, if, if I'm driving around town or in and out of gas stations, it worse. sits there and it, it's horrible. It hops, yeah, it skips, and it chirps the tires. Sounds like a drift car sometimes. Oh yeah. So, so effectively, like a my my differential in my in my GLTC car is a one and a half way M factory clutch type, and when it's cold, it's basically a locked differential. Like it has to warm up in order to not be a one and a half way. And a one and a half way is it is full lock on throttle, like acceleration, it's full lock and deceleration. It's basically like 50% lock. So when I'm in braking, I can get a little bit, I can do, I can do like, you know, trail braking a little bit and the car will turn, but it's got a, it's basically 50% lock on braking, but it's a hundred percent lock on throttle, which is effectively a welded diff. And what that does is it will make you on throttle. You will like wherever you steer, you're going with the front of the car. So Lucas basically has a two-way diff it, wherever he steers, where he's going with throttle, he's going there, but he's also, when he's braking, that thing is a hundred percent locked. He can't trail brake very well. It's going to do no, weird sure. things on trail braking. <laughs> so, it, it understeers horribly off oh, throttle. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to want to put, you're going to want to break in a straight line. And then you're going to want to get right back to throttle. Gotcha. Uh, but otherwise, because, yeah, because literally under, off throttle, it's going to just push. So, uh, but you start, you start cranking on that throttle again, and it's going to go where you tell it to go. Um, it's, it's, we, it's, it's almost, it almost feels like, oh, one of those wheels is going to be like scrubbing or something. But, and it is, but it actually works. It's pretty, it's like a pretty common thing to do especially back in the day when like differentials weren't a thing. I am planning on running it at a PPIR grid life. Yeah, dude, just weld that thing back together as good as you can and build a good trance. Well, and I think I, especially with the, the hairpin and the carousel and then exiting onto the front straight, the three main corners really. Yeah. Uh, I can get on throttle so much sooner and get more turn in using throttle uh, that I, I think there's a good, couple tenths i mean my personal best with the car is a 1089 mm-hmm. last year and i think i can get into the low mid 108s on the I same think there, there's also something to be said for like on a on a lightweight front wheel drive car especially on that big straightaway where you're breaking in to go into the infield um like i've seen cars dancing around a bunch but something like this will literally break so much straighter because it has to <laughs> <laughs> like yep. physically, it physically has to. Like it might actually be pretty good, pretty good into the breaking into the 
into the infield on the back straight. So yeah, I, I think I can push the breaking bank. zone a little bit. Yeah, you're on a bank. It might be more might be more predictable. Um, Through one and two is going to be the sketchy thing, seeing how it handles the banking and if yep. it's scrubbing too much. We'll see after the first session. I think if you're on throttle, that thing's going to be fine. But um, I, my my M factory diff that I have in the car right now, uh, I had it rebuilt into a 1.5 way, and it used to be a one way to where basically it was unlocked in B cell, but it was locked in acceleration. Um, and it, the car breaks. Uh, the car is so light. Like my car is like 1,800 pounds without me. Um, so in deceleration the car with the back end especially in like a downhill braking zone the back end would dance so much uh it doesn't do that with a 1.5 way but with like with a fixed differential like yours it probably would actually break pretty straight like it would almost it almost be too good do you know what i mean like it would be it, too it, much it definitely feels like the braking power has increased like the how much bite there is i mean change nothing aside from the diff yeah. And I could yeah. break a little later going down into one at New Jersey. So I, yeah, I can only it's, imagine it's it'll be better. Be super predictive. Like predictable is the biggest change. You know what I mean? Like it's going to do the same thing every single time. So. Yep. And I mean, understeer, predictable understeer. And we talk about this with autocross, our track attack events. Predictable understeer in a front wheel drive can be fast. You just have to understand where that arc is building. And then when you can reapply more grip to change directions, especially with a slalom. Yeah, super, super weird things that people don't really do anymore. But welding a diff can totally work. <laughs> so, but I'm glad you did it, dude. I, I did not expect you to actually do it. When I said it to you, I was sort of joking. And then all of a sudden, like, the trans is out, the diff is right there, and you're like, man, I'm waiting for Sam to come from the hotel room with some brake cleaner. And I'm like, I got some, like, degreaser. What about this? <laughs> yep. And uh, then pretty soon, lunchtime, that trans is going back together. And then last car in the racetrack, Lucas Urban with the welded. And last car out of New Jersey. Hey, I was the first one there and the last one out. I was Were you actually the last one on Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you actually beat – Trisha and Charlie by like 20 minutes and they got in started setting up and you were, you were back, you were like hanging out in the town and uh, New Jersey was kind of a, they were, so that track was like, they were great to deal with, but also they were super by the book and everybody had a boss. Like there's so many bosses. There's a thousand bosses at their racetrack. So like nobody wanted to make any exceptions and none of these things were supposed to be exceptions. Like everybody on our staff list was supposed to be able to just get in whenever, but nobody could <laughs> because, because everybody we talked to on conference calls was like, yeah, it'll be fine. But they didn't tell like Susie at the gate and Susie had to talk to Allison and Allison had to talk to Chris and Chris had to talk to Mike. I'm like, it was just kind of a mess, but it was, uh, it was really, really a pretty good event though. So. Um, I liked it. I very much liked it. Really, really cool track. Super hot, but uh, but pretty fun event. Really good vibes. A lot of uh, a lot of new people that we've never met, and uh, super solid competition. We had like eighty time attack cars. We had uh, twenty some GLTC. We had a pretty solid uh, HPD group. I so think uh, Jackie and the PhD Racing team had like ten percent of the time attack field. Dude, there were so many of them. All those supers. So many supers. And so many like PhD buddies. 
One of one of the PhD buddies rolled four times in HPD. Right. The uh, the Corolla that we downloaded that center exit exhaust Corolla. Yeah, like I remember that. That was the car that rolled four times. It made like 140, I think. Yeah, and it, and it made it rolled four times. <laughs> Brutal. When did Poor this guy. happen? On uh, on Saturday, Sunday. maybe. No, Saturday. It happened Saturday. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, I missed. It, I missed that. It rolled in like the turn three, four area, like basically that fast kink. Yeah, the really fast, uh, like that left hander there. Um, got off track left, dug in weird, and literally rolled four times. And we actually shifted lunch up early because he took an ambulance ride to get checked out. Ooh. Uh, and when the ambulance leaves, there ain't no racetrack happening because there's no ambulance anymore. And that's about a 40-minute turnaround. So, yep, took an early lunch. And uh, luckily, he came back that afternoon. He was okay. Uh, but uh, that was a scary one. I think that's only our second ambulance ride ever in the last 20 years. years. The first being <laughs> that event at uh, that, that incident in Road Atlanta. Yeah, where uh, where Dennis basically uh, was instructing an intermediate buddy and got put into the wall. Yeah, yeah it does happen. Broke his collarbone. So. Not a lot of ambulance rides, thankfully. But uh, luckily, everybody's okay. The dude was he was bruised. He was super bruised. But that uh, that that new Corolla that was a pretty strong little car. So. Strong cars are good. <clears throat> anyway, we'll let uh, we'll let Lucas go and take his car apart, and me and Abe keep chatting about bullshit. So. Alrighty, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thanks Good for luck, joining man. us. We'll, uh, we'll see you in a few weeks at PPR. Yes, sir. You will. All right, buddy. Take care. And, and good job getting getting home, man. That's very Thank impressive. you. Thank very you. Impressive. Thank you, everybody. It's <laughs> the best, yeah. dude. <laughs> Take care. Time to get busy. All right. Good luck. All right. Well, he did it, man. I was I was really impressed. Like that's hard to do. <laughs> it was he was working on it for a while, man. Well, I I didn't think like Saturday or yeah, it was Saturday. And I was like there is no way he's going to get this done. I'm going to have to try to pull some strings and find some buddies for this guy. And uh and then all of a sudden like Sunday morning he's got that diff out and he's like ready to weld, man. <laughs> Saturday night they had like prepped everything and uh, they did it. I couldn't believe he got home. I couldn't believe it. Like they threw this thing back together with like, it felt like they were hitting it with hammers and like it turned into a transmission, <laughs> which Jesus. is not the way you do transmissions. So, yeah, pretty wild, pretty wild, pretty wild. Sick. Yeah, I loved it. What do you think of NGMP? Um, I drove it in a rental car, and I thought it in a fast car it would probably be scary fast, real fast, like. Literally scared. And yeah. uh, I watched, I think, an Instagram story or something of, of Jackie and the car. Everything just looks so fast. I cannot yeah. wait. Uh, usually he'll post up a, a video with data overlay, and I cannot wait to watch it. And Jackie had plenty of experience there. He did F4 cars there or whatever, too. Yep. Um, it's, so it is amazing to me uh, that uh, it, that car is really special, obviously. Um, but that car on a 200 treadwear tire was faster than former professional racer Robert Thorne in a GT2 RS Club Sport, which is a GT2 RS Porsche race car mm-hmm. on Michelin slicks. 
And like no discredit to Robert. Um, that was the first time I think he'd ever driven that car. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, and it was, it was like a car that was basically like, it was a showpiece that, that his dad was like, Hey, do you want to race this? <laughs> yes. And it didn't turn very well, et cetera. But Jackie's car is freaking well, dumb. And I, I don't want to say, like, I'm not saying anything about, you know, the Supra faster than Porsche, blah, blah, blah. What I am saying is just that that Supra's on a 200 Trevor tire. Dude, it's freaking next level, man. It's so <laughs> fast. It is next level. That's a 285. Unbelievable. That should not be that fast. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's freaking dumb, man. I couldn't believe it. I, I never expected so many FTDs out of a street mod car. That was not the lightest street mod car. Yeah, it's it's and, not. And it's, and here and it's we are. heavy. And he, um, he... And it's not the most... It's probably not the most high horsepower street mod car. It might not be. I mean, it's close. It's like there. But it's also 500 pounds heavier than other street mod cars. It's a freaking big car. Yeah, it's it's what like thirty three hundred or something. It's a lot. It's a really it's like a it's a modern car. So it's a it's a new BMW. It's I, like I, I want to shout out to my boy Jackie Ding, who is recently a patron. Um, oh, I didn't know that. If if you're not watching Jackie Ding's YouTube channel, you probably should because uh, he turns some fast laps and then he posts videos about him. Yeah, it's uh, and it's also pretty entertaining too. So. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a really fast car. That car should not be that good. The real, but uh, from that, I think the the number. I don't know how many Supras are being sold by Toyota, um, but because I I don't see them on the street all that often. Where I do see them right now is mm-hmm. at the track. A lot yeah, next to next to Jackie's trailer because they're buying parts from a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like current make and model car. Uh, that I see most frequently at the track, it like it, at our events, it has to be the Supra. Yeah, it's a brand new car that like half of these things still have warranties. And like, we don't always get the brand new Porsche crowd, uh, mm-hmm. so like, yeah, it's it's the Supra. That's the car. It's a really really fast, really solid car, right out of the box. Um, it it uh, like it should not be that good, like it shouldn't be that good. Yeah, it's I, not I just, even a DSG box. It, it's I, I just automatic. wouldn't expect a ZF8HP to be like a track capable, track ready option for a transmission. Like, I dude, just, I just wouldn't so expect fast. it. I'm, I drove Jackie's Jackie's like crashed one that he sold. I think he sold it, sold it to Austin Shipley. Okay, who's 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 driven this in Colorado, and I drove it, and I that was the first time I ever drove a Supra. I was in the wet at Gingerbread a couple of years ago. And I looped it twice because like, he's like, just turn all the things off. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then like, I could not believe how fast the car was stock. Like they were like 1150s out of the box. So like, they're really fast. And the trans shifts so fast. Like, bah, bah, well, bah. if you've like, ever seen stoop. the speed distance trace, uh, the gear changes on like a long acceleration run. You don't even see them. Like, no, they're just, so fast. They're just there. Like, it's the best. It's the best torque converter automatic of all time. It's probably true. Like it can't get any better than that because if it's better than that, it's a DSG and it's imperceptibly better. Yeah. 
Like they're so close. <laughs> it's um, stupid. Also, it's been like a million years since you and I recorded a show together, I think. When was the last time we did one? Uh, before Honda Meet, I think. Oh, really? Honda Meet was only like three weeks ago. Feels longer. Man, it, was a, it was not that long. I'm going to have to lift <laughs> I, this I up. I don't think my car even cooled off. <laughs> like it, uh, it, was, it felt like five minutes ago to me. Let's see. I'm a little tired. It's been a lot of events, man. Well, we've got uh, we've got a lot more to do. So we did. So the big the big slog has been since Midwest Festival. So we had two weekends in between Midwest Festival and Audubon, which felt like a long time. Then we had Audubon, where my wife was in Thailand. So I had my child also, who's the who's the like the wildest eight year old of all time. She was real busy. Audubon felt insane. Two weeks later, one weekend in between. I went gingerbread. We had Hannah meet. Two weeks later, one week in between, I'm at NJMP. Two weeks later, one week in between, we're going to Mid Ohio in a few days. Yep. Same same story for Lime Rock. And then what do we have? Two weeks. We have two weekends, three weeks in between before Alpine. Yep. So we're doing Lime Rock, which is like sort of a festival that we've never done. Then we're doing Alpine, which is definitely a festival, probably our biggest event. And then we've got what two or three weeks, like three weeks in between Alpine and uh, Heartland. Man, I need some more vacation time at work. This is tough. And then, and then I think we've got two weeks between Heartland and the brand new thing, which we we haven't talked about at Pit Race. Man, but that's only Saturday Sunday. That's not that far. That's not that far. I could drive there. Yeah, we can we can just meet there in our Honda Fits, and actually, I'll probably have to tell the dyno a lot and stuff. But. Yeah, you'll have to tell the dyno. Yeah. But that'll be a different type of event, and it's sort of a beta test event. So, so I'm selling my bus, and I think I found a buyer for it. Did uh, the buyer you told me about this morning is that going to happen? I'm pretty confident. Yeah, he uh, he asked it's... for the payoff information from the bank, and I got that to him today, um, and. I told him I wanted to use it this weekend and that I, I might have a leak from the, like, um, uh, the flow valve sure. in the shower. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do diagnostic on that. Um, probably Thursday night and then order the part I need and just use it as is, uh, at mid Ohio and then replace it when I get back. Okay. So, uh, almost not a bus owner again. Yeah. You know, um, might be time to rent some uh, RVs. Huh? Probably just like rent trailers. I, I mean, we'll still need while. to figure out what to do for Heartland because um, I don't actually, I don't even know what uh, amenities are around there. But my preference is to stay at the track because that's like a really track friendly. Why don't you just place. sleep on my couch? Well, if Ashley comes with, I can't sleep in the couch. Uh. Oh, y'all can. Y'all well, can. Sloan will be there, and then the dogs will be there, and you've got. Oh, uh, yeah, it's too much. It's too much <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah, you did bring the dogs last year. There was a lot of. There's a whole. There's a whole deal. Man, I am gonna miss drinking really expensive bourbon in my bus, though. That's true. You can always do it in somebody else's bus. Yeah. What uh, didn't Jeremy uh, Jeremy Boyson buy something fancy? Uh, I don't know. Cause he was supposed to, and then he was going to buy something else. He was else. bus shopping. I think he, I think he ended up sticking with the Renegade. Dude, did you see his car? Uh, not super recently. What's new, dude? 
it like he wrapped it and stuff. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. the Porsche, the Porsche. It looks so cool. Yeah. I think I think he uh, he hit the wall at Road America, and so we haven't seen it since Heartland. Uh, he hit the wall testing for Road America, and then didn't go to the event. Sold the Mugen RSX that he had to to Colton Wade, right? Uh, Fields Auto Works, and uh, or Fields we haven't Auto seen Works that car custom. since Blackhawk, right? Uh, no, we saw it. Andrew Rains from Apex Pro drove it at Midwest, Midwest. and then it blew the dyno. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I thought that thing was extra fast at Blackhawk. I was like, "Damn, Lisa's so fast." She she drove around me like I was standing still, but the car was a little speedy. But I was also, uh, I think I was also suffering the left hander or the right hander, no left hander uh, stutter, mm-hmm. where my where my cam trigger was like separating from my crank. I my remember I listened to that episode with you and uh, Scott. Yeah, that was that was when it started to happen, and Lisa drove right around me, and I was like, "That car seems fast." I like um, mental note. <laughs> I like the shows that I'm not on uh, because I listen to them and uh, learn something interesting. So, did you hear? But is this the first time you heard about my seven hundred thousand dollars in debt that I paid off? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I knew about that, but you and I don't talk about it too often. It's it's a uh, that was a thing. A lot of people reached out after that after that uh, podcast. So, um, to yeah, a much smaller extent, um, that's kind of how Ashley and I felt after we paid off her student loans. So I can imagine she, yeah. uh, there's, uh, there's no point not to talk about this on the show. Uh, she and she had like, I don't know, $180,000 in, in student Good loan debt grief. by the time we got done with school. And she, we were in school at the time of the last recession, so the interest rates on the loans were really, really high. Um, yeah. But, like, we worked our butt off, and or like we both did, and she worked two or three jobs at, at a time. Um, and we, you remember, we renovated that house, um, mm-hmm. and we, like, made money on that. And then, frankly, we just got lucky on our second place in Indianapolis. We were only yeah. in it for eight months before uh, I had to change jobs. And we, we made us the same amount of money on that house. And uh, so, like, when we moved to Louisville, the balance, which was pretty substantial, I just, like, wrote a check. It was awesome. That's wild. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the amount of money, like, that, that amount of student loan debt, like, there's, there's a lot of people that pay that off until they die. Yeah, and like that's uh, that's a that's like a life sentence. You and you I don't talk done. about our our kids that much on the show, but in part that's why um, I want to make sure that like anything that Sloan wants to do for education, uh, there will be money for. Uh, uh, yeah, be- because, at least a little bit. <laughs> well, because uh, like education is a big part of my life, and certainly a big part of Ashley's life, and. Um, we were able to get out from underneath that debt because we worked like crazy people and we chose professions that like pay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want Sloan to, uh, not become a teacher or not become a social worker or not become some other important job. Um, because well, she won't be able to pay off her loans. Right. Like, I think that, yeah, that's a huge problem. I, I don't, I mean, those, those jobs are really important in a civilization and uh, they don't make any money. And so but I don't also want like 
Uh, I don't this, want this. the decision to be made on the basis of like how much money you can make. And some some of it also goes back to like, oh, when the government guarantees every student loan, just education doubles in ten years in cost. That's oh yeah, dumb it's insane. Too. Some of it needs to be fixed in that regard. But yeah, there's like my wife is a my wife's a elementary school teacher and she has a master's and that was expensive and like uh, we paid off most of it by me like. F- buying, fixing, and flipping cars. Right. But like a lot of people can't work two or three jobs all the time and raise their children. I didn't have a child at the time, but like, yeah, it's, uh, it, that was 10 years ago and now it's literally twice as expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. so much more money. It is uh, so, so much money. And yeah. So how do you, how do you future proof that? That's well, hard. I mean, you just, I, what, what I want to do is just put away as much money as we can. That's all I can do. Yeah, I want to pay off my house. I want to start putting money putting money away for uh, for whatever Emma needs to do in her life as well. So, yeah. And we put some money away already, but uh, we're so close to paying off our house, and I don't make enough money to like just keep pumping money into multiple things. So I, I want to eliminate interest ASAP, especially while the stock market's down, and yeah. then start buying into uh, a plan that might actually build. If the stock market builds, so yeah, yeah, it's kind of dumb though. Like, who knows what fifteen years from now is going to be? Ten years from now is going to be, but yeah, got to prepare for all the what ifs and the ands. So, but it's um, it's it's funny too because like uh, when the bus sells, we'll pay off Ashley's van, which is exciting. Um, and I would like to buy something more current, uh, but. I can't justify it because, you know, the, the fit is great and it's paid for and it'll get like 34 miles per gallon, which is fine. Um, I've gotten the best of 39 all highway too. Well, like they do pretty well. You you probably pretty mixed commute though. Yeah. Um, but if you, uh, even if you bought like a brand new Prius plug in, uh, or, or anything like that, um, on a dollars per mile basis, uh, the if you had an auto loan, the interest and depreciation uh, like overwhelms any amount of money that you would save on gas. Even if it's just interest and there is no depreciation, it, it probably also it just might make you break even. Maybe. So I, I I'd have to <clears throat> double check the number, but like my Fit basically costs ten cents a mile to drive thereabout. Right. Um, because of fuel prices and it's not depreciating, like it's, it's basically bottomed out. Um, No, it's going up in value, if anything. Uh, but if I bought a Prius prime, which I'm actually quite interested in, that's the plug-in Prius. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's like $2 a mile. If you, you know, calculate interest and depreciation, if you were to drive it 150,000 miles, that's a freaking lot. It's a lot. So I'm like, "Eh." I don't really want to do that. It can't be two dollars a mile. I'm going to do the math. That's a lot. Talk about something right now. I'm going to do that math. <laughs> That's so much. It's got to be like twenty cents a mile, not ten. Two dollars a mile. That thing's going to cost you three hundred grand for the course of one hundred fifty thousand miles. I don't think so. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe my math is wrong. Yeah, I think you're twenty cents versus ten cents. Maybe it's twenty five cents. I don't know. It's a lot. But it's more. But it's a bunch more because a Honda Fit might be the best automotive purchase right now. Like a second-gen Fit might be the best car of all time at the moment. Yeah. 
dude, I drove mine to go get the Emma or me and Emma were solo tonight. Sarah's at a teacher conference tonight. They're staying overnight. She's only an hour away, and she's like, "I just want to come home." But the like the principal's like, "We got hotel rooms," and she did not want to stay in the hotel room at all. But uh, so Emma and I are solo, and I went to the grocery store to pick up like stuff to make homemade pizzas, right? Oh, nice. And uh, so I run to the grocery store. Emma's across the street here at my my in laws' house, and I get in this crappy fit that's not rusty. It's only got one hundred forty five thousand miles. It cost me. I've got $3,200 in this car with mods, right? And I fire it up, and it's it's like an instant happy place. It has no check engine lights. It runs great. It makes cool fart noises and pop noises on diesel. And it has great AC. And it's the best purchase I think I've ever made automotively. Like, it's so cheap. It's so fun. Like, it's visceral enough, but it's also, like, pedestrian enough. Like it's right in the middle where I can't get in trouble with it, but also I feel like I'm bordering on getting in trouble with it. (laughs) Like it's, it keeps me entertained, but it also does a great job of taking me and Emma to Putnam park to hang out with, uh, with all y'all. And Emma played with the tab girls all day. We drove race cars that aren't really race cars. And I drove all the way back. Like it's a, it's a really good all around car. Speaking of, I uh, I do want to throw an extra special shout out to the boys at the Winning Formula. Uh, what do they do for you now? My my birthday was uh, last month, and yeah. uh, Ashley didn't know what to get me, and so she asked. I didn't even know it was your birthday because I don't have Facebook anymore. Uh, she asked Zoya uh, what to get me, and Aaron suggested a certain bottle of bourbon, and so Ashley was like, "Well, just get get that, and I'll pay for it." So now I have that at the house, which is nice. And then the last time that Aaron was over, he brought me another one, uh, and so I'm I'm drinking that. And it's they are they are pretty good friends to have. They have good taste. Did I tell you? I don't think I said this on the show, but it it, it is worth discussing. Um, the uh, weekend that we all went to Putnam, mm-hmm. um, Saturday night, you had already, I think. Yeah, we went home Saturday. You you went home Saturday. So um, that night we were at the hotel just like hanging out and having beers and, and drinks in the hotel bar and getting like snacks and whatever. And about nine o'clock, uh, people are like, we're hungry. We want we want food. Um, and they said, Abe, you you lived here. Uh, where should oh, we in, go? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's kind of late. Like I, I can think of some places that I would go, um, but they're like in town which is like a decent drive. It was probably like 35, 40 minutes, something like that. That's, yeah, it's definitely a hike. Yeah. Um, we went to a place that I thought was fine. Certainly not like uh, uh, something that you would be offended by. Um, and they seated, I think, 11 people. Like we didn't wait. They just seated us all right then. Um, this may be like 9.45. And... Um, we get our food and it's pretty good and mm-hmm. it's not the best, but it's pretty good. And the next morning I, uh, I, I rode with Aaron back to the track and he's like, you're on uh, you're on restaurant probation um, <laughs> forever. Uh, what a bunch of press. That was a C minus effort. You don't get to pick anymore. <laughs> and he was like, Jared and I already talked about it. We, we share this opinion. So what, like, what are they looking for? Cause like, I, to me, 
when I show up and all 11 of my friends get seated at the same time, I'm already on like a minus territory. It was a and C minus the, effort. And dude, the food doesn't suck and it like comes on time and the waitress is smiley or the waiter is smiley and they're nice. You're like, all right, this is like a B. Well, I should, uh, we should have uh, Aaron and Jared on the show so that they can tell their side of like the I'm, story. But yeah, I'm wondering what I don't the criterion think, is. Do you, do you remember uh, that time I razzed um, Alex pretty hard about his laps at uh, uh, Blackhawk without knowing it was Alex driving? Do you know uh, that story? I do. Yeah, I've heard that story. So uh, Alex is holding a grudge on that one from now until forever. Yep. I don't think for the rest of my life I will forget the time that they said that I had a horrible taste in food and I would never be able to pick a restaurant. You're also like one of the best cooks I've I know. <laughs> uh, speaking of, yesterday I just kind of felt like it, and so yeah. I I, uh, I made crab cakes from scratch and they turned out. I've awesome. never felt like that. <laughs> uh, I, they turned out awesome, and I I had Ethan over and we just like had dinner last night. It was nice. Of course yeah. they did. Of course they were awesome. They were good. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know how I made the the pizza tonight? Uh, how would you make homemade pizza? Well, I would I would make the dough like two or three days in advance so that it has time. Yeah, to of course you would. And then I'd make my own sauce because it takes like five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, <coughs> what else would I do? Let um, me open the fridge. I'll tell you how we did this. Uh, well, the the secret ingredient for those uh, not into making their own pizza sauce, the secret ingredient to make your pizza taste really, really good. Yeah. Uh, is either to dice up a few anchovies and put it in the sauce or oh. uh, put like um, about a teaspoon of fish sauce into your uh, sauce recipe. Okay, and that will that. not make it taste at all like anything fish, but it will make it taste delicious and you can't explain why. That's why. Do you want to hear the um, I am wifeless for the night uh, recipe for pizza? Yes. So we've, we go to Aldi, we pick up, um, so we need a dough, right? We need pizza dough. We pick up the original Pillsbury Crescents, eight rolls. Yep, that's the thing. We crack that thing open. Uh, Emma gets to make the shape that she wants out of the thing. That's fun. We, we open the Contadina Pizza Squeeze Pizza Sauce, original pizza sauce. We squeeze said pizza squeeze sauce onto said pizza dough which is actually just a crescent roll. And then the Happy Farms by Aldi, low moisture, part skim mozzarella shredded cheese. You, you bought the pre-shredded the stuff? Yeah, right on God the top, dude. It, Here we go. This is a pizza. So Into the oven for 14 minutes on 350, and I'm a father. <laughs> all you have to do to turn that pizza from being like, yeah, it's a pizza, to like a Slayer pizza is yeah. uh, buy a can of whole peeled tomatoes. Right. Uh, open it. No, I'm not going to do anything that you say, but I will listen. 100%. Uh, well, uh, I'm curious. No, I'm curious how it happens. So it might not to, happen. to make sauce, the easy way to make sauce is you buy a can yeah. of whole peeled tomatoes, the big can, like right. a 28 ounce can. And okay. you strain off all the liquid so that all you have left is the tomatoes. Right. You put those into a blender with like oregano and a few other spices and then that fish sauce. And then you use that to make pizza. You just spread that on, on the Sounds dough. Sounds pretty easy, actually. It's I could, very, I could actually, like, you could do that in two minutes. You literally could, yeah. And it might be actually cheaper per ounce by far. Uh, if you buy expensive tomatoes, no. But, like, 
it's better. It's like what, way what better. If, what if we do it with homemade tomatoes because we have homegrown tomatoes because we have. Are they whole peeled? Uh, I mean, we've got like tomatoes in the backyard that are like huge. Yeah, those would be great too. Okay, we'll have to do that maybe. You can those. But, I, we make Sarah makes all kinds of stuff with them. She doesn't even know what to do with the tomatoes. She gives them to people because she's no she has no use for them. She can makes, them bitches. She grows so many tomatoes. I was thinking about <clears throat> this is a, a, a car and racing podcast, but I was thinking about having like a, a raised garden is bed it on though? my back patio. Is uh, it is it a car and racing? Because I really it's it's really just like a a, a thing I want. Uh, it's almost a vlog uh, in audio form, but anyway, much. sorry. Um. Yeah, so I, I made these crab cakes, and they were excellent. And I had some leftovers tonight, and they were still excellent. That does sound good. Yeah. Um, but, like, crab, expensive. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, this is not news to anyone, but I noticed it specifically today. I actually wanted bananas from Kroger, and uh, I noticed that bananas have doubled in price since the last time I paid attention to the price of bananas. Have they really? Now, bananas are not expensive, uh, I bought six yeah, bananas for $2. Um, they used to be $1 though? Yeah. So like, I think the last time I remember, which was maybe like a year ago, because I don't buy bananas for Ashley that often, I think they were 32 cents a pound. Today they were 65 cents a pound. And I was like, well, that's a big jump. If I ate like 50 bananas a day, this would be a problem. Yeah, that would be a deal. Um, so everything in my life of making money... Um, that is not grid life. Doors, windows, garage doors, etc., is up thirty-nine to one hundred and eleven percent. Good grief! Over the past fourteen months, garage doors are up about one hundred and five percent. Flat glass is up like fifty. Uh, tempered glass is up like sixty-two. Uh, vinyl windows, they're the only thing that's only gone up like 32% or 35%, something like that. Yeah. Um, and literally the other day we got our first decrease in price notice from Old Castle Building Envelope, which is one of our glass suppliers. They're like big commercial glass stuff. They okay. also sell like commercial storefronts and things like that. And they, they were taking their recently – Increased from 5% to 17% um, fuel surcharge to 16.5% from 17%. Nice. So we got a 0.5 reduction. So, I mean, big money, big money, big money. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I got like, uh, uh, obviously, inflation is insane. Um, and I don't know many people uh, who got raises this year that matched inflation if they if you are a listener of this show and you got a raise that matched inflation, that's like a 50% like, raise. Awesome. Right <laughs> Congratulations. That is super rare. Yeah. Um, my company gave out raises that were like good. Like the biggest raise in percent that I've ever gotten uh, yep. on an annual basis, not enough to match inflation, but it's certain like in my professional life, it's the biggest percentage raise that I've gotten on an annual basis. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Um, and I like the take home, because uh, I get paid every two weeks, the take-home was like, yeah, I think all this money just goes to groceries. Oh, yeah. Like, groceries I don't, and gas. We're yeah. not spending anything else. But, like, I, I pay attention to all of our spending, and we spend, like, $500 a month in gas and probably almost that much in food. And it's like, 
shit. Can I ride well, I my bike to work? Like the biggest thing that I worry about, like, so I've got a fixed, my biggest, my biggest costs are fixed, right? Like basically my biggest cost is our mortgage. We've only got a few more years. It's like 1400 bucks a month. We're paying it off at a rapid rate. It's never going to be more because it's fixed. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like everything else is super variable, fuel, insurance, food, right. et cetera. Like that stuff could jump whenever they say jump, right? right? And it is, but I worry about the people that don't have the fixed main cost, like rent. Oh, I don't, I don't own my house. My landlord's taxes now tripled because the government said the value has doubled, even though it hasn't, but everything else has. Uh, and now his taxes are higher and they're paying the utilities. So now my rent has gone up from 900 to 1600 and I don't have that. Right. And I think that's a, that's a story that like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people to be forgotten in this and they're going to get real mad. <laughs> and yeah. it makes me worry for And I have a lot of friends that fall in that bracket. They're like, you know, they, they never got out from under the college things. So they never bought a house, you know, they are renting, Hopefully they're renting, you know, reasonably, but like there ain't no money in owning a rental house, especially in the South Shore of Chicago. Oh, for sure. Like there's there's literally no money in it. My mom lost money on two of the three houses that she has that she manages. Like, like just taxes and insurance and all that stuff is just too much. Like, you you add it up and you do a couple of repairs and you're losing a thousand bucks a year. So, yep. And there's uh, no money in that, so the prices. I, I think I told you that story about the uh, the apartment that we had in in Chicago. We had that place oh, yeah. for five years after we left the city because we were so underwater. We couldn't we couldn't uh, afford to pay to someone to buy it. Right. Yeah. Uh, what we could lose is some money on it each year, but what we couldn't do was pay someone fifty thousand dollars to take it off our hands. Right. Uh, so that was that was a tough time. That's not fun. I had one of those too. <laughs> I had a house in Michigan that I bought when I was 19 with my dad. We paid like 120 for it. Uh, put like 20,000 bucks into fixing it up. And then all of a sudden, like the economy started falling on its face. My dad started not having any money. I had to leave college early to like basically bail him out. Got to the podcast that we released a few weeks ago where all of a sudden we didn't have any money at all. And I'm still trying to manage this house in Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? For like, I'm just trying to find renters. I had like two or three years where buddies were renting it and it was great. And it would pay the bills and it would have like enough to like fix a thing once or twice a year. Um, and then all of a sudden I had a lady that moved in there. She was the nicest lady. And it turns out she did lots of drugs. And I didn't realize that. My tenant was she, a cokehead as well. Uh, well, this was meth. Um, she, she stole all my appliances, didn't pay the utility bills. It's a water heated house. So it was a boiler heat house and didn't tell me that she had moved out when she couldn't pay the gas bill because it got cold. Didn't tell me. And then all my pipes froze in the house. Classic. And then I had to, then I had to rebuild the entire house because all those pipes in the walls froze, burst, they were copper. So me and my brother had to systematically chop holes in the drywall wherever the water would roll onto the floor. We'd have to cut a hole, slice a chunk out, put a splice in. We did that for two straight days. We spliced the copper in the house for two straight days. Had a drywall cut, drywall guy come in, 
fix all this stuff. And you say, how did you afford this? You didn't have any money. I got lucky because a tornado hit the house and ripped the roof off. <laughs> that's, that's luck in this department. So you had insurance did, money. So I had insurance money. They paid me to fix the roof. I fixed the roof for about 10000 less than they paid me. So I had the money to fix the rest of the house that she ruined. Jesus Christ. Barely. I didn't pay myself to fix it. I was up there for like two, two weeks. It was like, it was a nightmare. Like it was a nightmare. And like, yeah, I, I think uh, we sold that. We, we, we were into that house for 120,000 bucks plus whatever we put into it, which I don't even want to think about because how much we sold it for 80, 120,000 bucks. Damn. <laughs> all that labor, all that time, all the, put a roof on it we put two roofs on it actually we put windows doors entry doors garage doors uh painted the house twice redid one of the floors it was a nice house did a boiler like we're probably into that thing for 160 plus uh, who knows how much labor fifty thousand dollars in labor right sold it for the same amount that we bought it for so. yeah that's this is like the adam and abe complain about money podcast yeah, I was probably now it's probably worth like two twenty. Dude's probably made some money. Though. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's a story. Um, when we lived in Ohio, this was before I knew you. Uh, we lived in Dayton, and uh, we had lived in a house maybe ten months before I got the job offer to move to Michigan. Okay. Um, so uh, the uh, with that job offer, the company wasn't buying my house. We just basically had to sell it, and they would cover the closing costs and whatever. Um, what were you but, doing in Ohio, by the way? Uh, I was in a position called a postdoc. That is, after your PhD, you you enter this purgatory period where you you don't have an industrial job, but you're not a professor either, and you're just kind of like you exist. Um, <laughs> so that's where I was. So I, academia I, is so weird. Yeah. Um, so I I did that for two years, and right. in the second year there. Ashley and I were talking about like, well, maybe we just stay here because mm -hmm. that, that could have been a possibility. It would have like a government job might have been available if I was willing to work for long enough. Um, but the pay wouldn't have been, you know, super great. We would have, uh, you know, like probably had to hustle for a million years to pay off Ashley's student loans. Uh, and so when I got the, the job offer in Michigan, like the, the salary opportunity was like, 50% more than I could have expected to earn with a government job. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, well, we got to, we got to take it. And so yeah. uh, we had to sell a house that we had just purchased at a time where the market wasn't insane. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just like not insane. And so this would have uh, been like what? 2011? Uh, 12, 15. Oh, that late. Okay. Yep. And so um, we uh, painted the whole house. We, uh, I, Ashley, uh, rightly is convinced that, uh, um, uh, electrical receptacles in the house, uh, and light switches make a house look old or fresh. Oh, yeah. uh, and I replaced every single light switch and every single receptacle in the house of which there were a bunch. Um, right. and, uh, she wanted to replace all of the, uh, door hardware with new stuff that was current because it was like a 70s style ranch house and it was original hardware on all the doors Makes um, and we looked into the cost of like buying new doorknobs for i don't know this ranch style house that had 
I don't know, 12, 15 doorknobs, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. We were like, well, we don't have that, so what are we going to do? And Ashley's like, I'm fucking painting these things. <laughs> and so she got out the rattle cans and she spray painted all of the doorknobs oh, yeah. in the house. And yeah, that's one way to do it. The house sold in like a day. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, we we didn't make much money on it, but we made enough enough to not not lose any. Um, and the house has been bought and sold a couple of times since then. And I'll be goddamned if they don't have the same doorknobs that Ashley painted. Every single time you look at it. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's on Zillow, and you're like, man, I know, I know, those are brass doorknobs underneath that black. I painted them shits. <laughs> Did you paint them black? Uh, they, I think they were like oil rub bronze or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's a good way to do it, it was a cool yeah. house. Uh, we were there for like eleven months, something like that. Okay. Man, you and your move every ten months. Dude, man. I'm tired. That's a stressful life. I'm, I haven't uh, moved in fourteen years. Well, and now the interest rates are like way back up. I don't want to move right now. No, you might be stuck for a while. And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty happy with my job, actually. Ashley hates her That's, job, but it, it does seem like you like your house too. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I actually really like that um, my my office here, where I my studio, let's call it, uh, is in the basement. And in the summer, especially, like, I don't know if it's just because of how this house is situated or what, but like, it's cold down here. Yeah, and. Uh, in the winter, the house feels a little bit drafty. Like the electric bill or the the gas and electric bill is not that high, but like we have the thermostat set to thirty, sorry seventy two, in mm-hmm. the winter, and it feels a little bit chilly. Like you almost always wear a hoodie and and slippers, but like mm-hmm. the house is still set to seventy two here now in the summer, and it still feels chilly. That's kind of nice. So like I'm down in the basement. It's really nice down here. It's hot as balls outside, but it's nice out here. Yeah, basements are kind of nice when it's this hot. They are kind of nice. And unlike uh, the house I had in Indy, um, my house Which here one? is not first a boat. One or second one? Uh, the first one. My yeah. house in uh, Indy, the first house, was essentially a boat uh, where the sump pump would fire like every three to five minutes, even if it right. wasn't raining. Uh, I, sl- I slept in that basement one time. I heard it. And here? I've lived here like nine months and I've never heard the sump pump go off. Well, that may be a bad sump pump, but maybe you also don't need it. (laughs) I don't think we need it. I mean, if I had a bad sump pump, there would be water in my basement. Well, unless you didn't need it, unless it's both. Well, it could be both. Might want to pull up on the little, uh, the little float and see if it works. (laughs) Maybe do a little, do a little test, but uh, I really like this place, man. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're there. Uh, I hope we didn't flood. I heard there's a bunch of floods in Kentucky. Um, not us. Yeah, that's like a couple of hours southeast. I, think, I, figured, I figured that was the It's other not side. been great. I think like, a bunch of people are dead. Yeah, like I saw like, in, like 30 30s? people. Or Man. Wow. Well, I think we did a podcast, and my child just got out of her bed after the last. She's been in bed for an hour and a half, and now she is laying next to me on the couch, and I have to put her back to bed. So we so. recorded a podcast for an hour and nine minutes. For the first 25 minutes, we talked about cars. And then for the rest of the time, we talked about anything else. Well, that's what happened. Um, I'm going to bring my stuff, if I can, to Mid-Ohio. We'll try and record some shows while we're there. I'm um, only going to be there on Thursday night, so you better hurry up. I actually don't even know if I'll even see you then because I'm pretty sure we're arriving late. 
Well, I'll be I'll be up late, I'm sure. But when are you so uh give everyone the rundown on your comings and goings uh in Mid Ohio. So we're doing um so for the last couple of years we've done a big camping trip with friends and all kinds of kids and stuff that uh, we go to Potato Creek in South Bend area. I think it's South Bend area. It's it's in Indiana. Yep. Um and that the only weekend that worked for everybody was this weekend coming up. And uh, so I'm going to Mid-Ohio on Thursday morning, and then I will set up, uh, work all night on Thursday. I'll do all my main driver's meetings on Friday, um, which at this point, like, we've got so many people that can do all the things that I do that, like, they own, like the only thing that I do that nobody else has really done is all the driver's meetings, right? You should make John do those. Well, I know, but I don't I, like. Do you think John's charismatic enough? <laughs> Maybe, yes. but not yet. <laughs> so, um, but uh, realistically, like it's the only thing I haven't given up yet. So I'm just going to do the driver's meetings, and then I'll leave like in the lunchtime hour. We have a meeting at lunch at lunch with the whole staff, and then I'll probably take off after that. Come back, and then we will camp all weekend. So, so it'll be up to y'all to not screw up Grid Life in Ohio. So. <sighs> I'm sure you can do it. We got Gary. We got John. We got the entire staff on the back end. We got Gary. Gary and John can run the racetrack. It's going to be great. Yeah. Gary's going to boss around. Gary's the, the dude who fixes when pro racetracks are like, who are these kids? Gary's like, just do whatever I tell you, man. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, uh, we, we got, we, we have all the staff in place and then I'm going to go hang out with Emma and Sarah and the five neighbor kids and my neighbors and 40 other kids and parents. So it'll be fun. Sick. This will be yeah. our, um, our, uh, what's the opposite of a maiden voyage? Um, fin- a grand finale. Yeah. Uh, like a, a bon voyage trip or bon something. Bon voyage would be the word I think. Yeah. For, uh, for the bus. So, yeah. Um, should should have fun. I'm probably going to drink some fancy bourbon out of my uh, uh, country coach country coach glasses just to celebrate. Well, when you get there, regardless of the time, even if I'm sleeping, I'll head over there. We'll do a podcast. We will christen the departure of uh, of the country coach. So that'll be something. Yep. Let's uh, let's plan on it. All right. Cool, buddy. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, thanks to Lucas for coming on. And thanks to all of the patreons and the partners and sponsors and the the everything's. So, thanks for listening, everybody. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jabay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Grid Live to say hello. Thank you.